Welcome to the Recharge Your Life podcast with me, Dr. Carrie Ulrich and Kelly Gunther. We are thrilled to talk to people who have made a decision that recharged their lives. Often they push themselves out of their comfort zones and took risks. We want to know about that decision point. Why did they make that decision? And most importantly, how can we learn from them? Kelly and I are passionate HR professionals, and together we co-founded our HR consulting firm, Abrachi Group. We have talked to amazing people throughout our careers and listened to them as they made decisions that changed their lives and knew that these inspirational stories would help others. And why did we call it Recharge? It's based on a book I co-authored called The Way of the HR Warrior, and in it, we have a leadership model, CHARGE, which stands for courage, humility, accuracy, resiliency, goal-oriented, and exemplary. We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're so excited to have Haven Cockerham join our podcast. Haven Cockerham founded Cockerham and Associates in Chicago in 2005 and provided strate- and provides strategic consulting and technology services in human resources and talent management as well as diversity and inclusion. A distinguishing feature of Cockerham and Associates is its web-based diversity and inclusion solutions that enable clients to develop, aggregate, and report the impact of its diversity strategies and operating plans for employee and business resource groups. Prior to forming Cockerham and Associates, Haven was the Chief Human Resource Officer for R.R. Donnelly, where he played a key role in the transformation of the company's operating model and culture. He led the transformation of the human resources function to become a true business partner, focusing on high-value processes and reducing delivery costs of human resource services. Additional corporate leadership roles include Chief Human Resources Officer for DTE Energy in Detroit and the Senior Human Resources Executive for Fisher Guy Division of General Motors. Prior to his executive leadership positions, Haven held, held key assignments in manufacturing, labor relations, EEO, and executive compensation, policy development, employee relations, and leadership development. Haven owned and operated a Chevrolet dealership in South Carolina, and he has an MBA from the Michigan State Advanced Management Program. So Haven, we're so excited to chat with you. And one of our first questions that we always like to start our podcast by asking is, what show, podcast, book, or blog do you go to when you want to push yourself and expand your thinking? Well, thank you so much, uh, first of all, for having me on this podcast. I look forward to our discussion together. Uh, In response to the first question, I, I think I'll go back first. I'll go to the book first. Uh, because uh, it is one that inspired my thinking early in my career, and especially as a change agent in um, in the automotive industry. And it's one called The Change Masters, and it was written by Rosabeth Moss Cantor. Uh, at the time uh, that uh, we were going through an auto industry, a tremendous transformation and challenges that we were facing from uh, foreign uh, automakers, we began to re-examine ourselves and our internal processes, how we treated people, how we interacted, how we did things, how we interacted with customers. And um, in our case, in HR, uh, a big part of that was how we interacted with the union and our employees on the line. And so uh, 
Rosabeth, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Moss Cantor, uh, was one, uh, not only a, a Harvard professor, but she was one who we engaged, who became a part of our team. And she just has written so much around change, innovation, how to let innovation show through, um, that it was uh, kind of an anchoring point for me. And I still, from time to time, would go back to her writings and just to, to refresh my thinking and to re-anchor myself around around that. The other thing that I do to recharge myself, um, you know, many of you, if you heard my bio, you you will surmise that I have already uh, had an opportunity to retire once. And uh, having failed that, I decided to go into uh, my own business. Uh, but one of the things that was a conscious decision of ours was to move to a community that would keep us engaged. Uh, with new ideas, new thoughts, new concepts. And so we made a decision to uh, retire in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. Uh, the variety of uh, health, um, the uh, technology and university uh, perspectives are so vibrant in this community uh, that we leverage those a lot uh, to make sure that we're being challenged, our thinking. Uh, a big part of that, I'll give you an example. As we started our business around technology, um, we engaged in a program and that was sponsored by the Chamber of Commerce as well as the um, University of North Carolina School of Business. And it was called Launch, L-A-U-N-C-H. And it was designed for new businesses, new startups and things of that nature. And we made a decision that we wanted to go. And obviously, most uh, we were the most senior uh, uh, company represented uh, in the endeavor. But the exposures it gave us to young people and new thoughts and new ideas and things that might even enhance our thinking around how we go to market with our solutions was phenomenal. And uh, we just, in, instead of a blog or a show that I would reference, I would just say, uh, continuously putting ourselves in a position where we have uh, opportunities to engage with a different um, generation, generally a younger generation, to keep uh, our thinking pushed uh, as well. Welcome, Haven. Great. I'm so glad you're on our podcast and you've given us so much already. So let me, I have so many questions I have to try to focus. Um, and we're not even to the main one yet, Haven. Okay, so Carrie. I I love that you said you've already failed at retirement. So <laughs> I and when you listen to why you moved to Chapel Hill, I can see why you failed at retirement. So if you try it again, you're gonna fail again. Because the fact that you are pushing yourself constantly, that it's you know, what do we tell our kids? You are who you hang out with. And if you're going to yeah. hang with the ne'er-do-wells and the folks that are going to get you in trouble, you're probably mm -hmm. going to get in trouble. And you took that and you're like, listen, you could retire to just a golf course and that's all you do. And you might golf. That's fine. But if that's the only thing they have going on, it's not going to expand your brain. It's not going to push you. And so for you to move to Chapel Hill and make a very conscious effort to do that shows that you have always been this change agent. Always. And so what's the, 
maybe the one or two things, Haven, moving to Chapel Hill that even though you had this, hey, we're going to push ourselves, we're, we're going to be around a younger generation, we're going to be more involved in this community. What are a couple of things that maybe surprised you by moving to Chapel Hill? What did you learn about yourself or just the community that you're like, wow, I didn't even think this would happen by moving? Well, I, I, that's, a, that's a great question because um, one of the things that happened when we moved here um, you keep in mind, I'm, this is my uh, uh, state that I grew up in, North Carolina as well. So we're coming back to somewhat familiar territory, but we had never lived in, in Chapel Hill area. And um, there are things that were reinforced. All of the reasons that we chose to come here, including uh, the fact that uh, the air travel is very uneventful. And it's very easy, uh, and that was good for a consultant. Uh, the thing that uh, that uh, that really surprised me, uh, even though I knew it, was the strength of the competitiveness among the different universities and the constituents in this area. Uh, you you recognize Chapel Hill as being the home for university, the University of North Carolina, but Duke University is only fifteen minutes away. Mm-hmm. And North Carolina State, maybe 25 minutes the other way. So the intensity of the competition around uh, this area was really much stronger than uh, than I ever anticipated. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing, too, that um, um, the location that we chose, um, Carrie, is it puts us right in the middle of the state, which gives us a, a a good way to relax our, and char- recharge our mind and our brains because we can be in the mountains in a very relaxing scenic environment in two and a half hours and then going east the other direction in two hours we'll be on the ocean and so we just a, just a phenomenal uh, community and everything that we thought we would get uh, we have and I want to go back and respond to one of your comments in the um, as you were leading into this question about playing golf. Uh, <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoy playing golf. <laughs> I really do. And I want you to take this the right way. Uh-oh. Um, I actually live in a golf community. <gasps> yes. Yeah, I do. Beautiful. One of the nicest courses in the area. <laughs> and I have not played it in two years. I know it's terrible. And I think it's part to do with uh, what's energizing me right now. Mm -hmm. Um, You're absolutely right. I'm energized by the growth, the technology. And you have to have to keep one thing in mind when we talk about our company and our technology. I'm an HR person, uh, grew up, started in manufacturing, worked in manufacturing, but labor relations and HR. But the lion's share of my career is HR. And at a a later stage in life to move to technology, uh, not only starting the the company itself, but actually learning um, elements of coding myself. Mm. So we actually... Uh, so that keeps me busy. That charges me. That keeps me up to three or four in the morning oh, trying right. to figure out an algorithm. Uh, I know this computer can make this work. Let me figure out how. And uh, those are the kind of things that keep me charged. And so when I say I've not had a chance to play golf, it's really um, uh, just uh, 
Um, I have uh, so many things that are really, ch- uh, you know, competing for my time now that uh, I'll get to that. And I might even get to it before this week is out. <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> you live right there. So it's always going to be there for you. It's always yes. going to be there. But Absolutely. I, I appreciate what you said about you go where the energy is too. And so you're like, hey, this is my this is where my energy's at. I'm gonna work on this algorithm and I'm gonna be up till 3 a.m. And because that's what's recharging me. And I appreciate that. What I, I just wanted to give a shout out to um, Dr. Professor Cantor, because her books are so lovely. Mm-hmm. And and just to say, I can see why I started my HR career with Haven. I didn't know any better, like a little baby duck that gets imprinted, right? Like I imprint and I follow the mama duck around Haven. I didn't know any better. So we had what, 300 people in HR Haven and we were doing change management. Oh, absolutely. Um, right. And so I thought, because I didn't, again, didn't know any better. That's what HR does. <laughs> little did I know how far ahead of the times we were in other places and thought, what do you mean you don't change the culture and you don't have HR business partners who are strategic and you're not um, using technology. And so now I really see because you were in automotive before Donnelly and working with someone of the um, Mm -hmm. stature of Dr. Cantor and her wonderful ideas on change. And just, it's always been in you to be this change agent and constantly evolve and and just push thinking. And I think that's so wonderful. I see where why Donnelly, we were pushing ahead so much. It was so in you, Haven. You know, Carrie, let me let me uh, build on that a little bit because I want to go, uh, even though we talked about uh, uh, Roosevelt Cantor, mm-hmm. um, let me go back maybe a little before her. Um, I was in HR at General Motors and um, we had an opening for vice president of, of human resources. And in my general motors was the largest corporation in the world at the time. Mm-hmm. And in all of general motors, they had two vice presidents. One was over what you would, you would traditionally call the labor relations side. And the other was over, let's call it the salary, the employee side. General motors made a decision to shake up HR. And they hired Stephen Fuller, who was a Harvard professor, no industry experience whatsoever, to come in and not only shake up HR, but change the company as well. And it was Steve Fuller that introduced us to Roosevelt Moss Cantor. And Steve Fuller if you talk about mentors, both I've had multiple, I have mentors all over the place, but they didn't know it. And I didn't know what we were doing at the time, but they were my mentors. <laughs> but even then in General Motors and, you know, when I left GM and did some other things and I came back into industry and I was constantly hearing HR folk talking about getting a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what they were talking about. I did, but I had never experienced what they were experiencing. Uh Because when you work with a company like General Motors uh, that has such a large labor force, and if you look at the cost of building an automobile, the labor costs were second to steel Mm. and not far from steel. So anytime there was an issue of cost 
quality productivity. The HR leaders were called, were at the table to talk about, can we leverage our relationship with the union? Can we build trust with the union? Will the union build relationships with us? Can we work to bring about change? And so being at the table was really more of the central uh, core of the strength of that organization. And I think the other thing that reinforces that, if you, if you look at uh, 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 the uh, the current CEO uh, at General Motors, female Mary, um, uh, she actually came through HR as well. Mm. And now, it wasn't that she came through HR and then rose to be uh, uh, CEO of General Motors. When they saw high potential talent mm-hmm. that could lead the company or significant parts of the company, they gave them a stint in mm-hmm. HR to mm-hmm. understand the people side of the business. And so it's just a, an interesting environment uh, that, uh, Carrie, you, you just kind of um, reminded me uh, of that uh, history and that genesis of all of this stuff. Uh, as, a, as it relates to change and change management. Right. And I think too, Haven, once you have that, it's like your expectations just going in, you're like, well, of course we're strategic and we we're at the table. And of course we are a value added. And so everyone, it's kind of, it forces everyone to rise to you. And if, and it's pretty obvious when they don't, and you're like, well, this isn't the culture for me. So, mm-hmm. so I really, I appreciate that. Thank you. So now the the big question, what is the decision that you made and that changed the trajectory of your life? Mm. Well, I, 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 I wish I could say there was one, <laughs> um, but maybe the other decisions were recorrect, uh, redirecting and things of that nature. But I'd say going back um, uh, as I completed my days in college, uh, I'll tell you a little personal story. I'm the youngest of nine children uh, from, yeah, I know. I felt that way. <laughs> Nothing was ever left for me when it got to oh. me. Everything's <laughs> gone. <laughs> I, I, I had to become creative and innovative <laughs> yeah, and, show some, and show some speed as well. <laughs> <laughs> but it, we were a very close-knit family, um, and we all were uh, achievers. We valued academics. Our families pushed it, uh, not just my family, but our cousins and relatives, my entire family did well there. And then as we, as I finished college, I had the big decision to make of, do I leave home? Mm. So many, because I went to college only 30 miles from where I grew up uh, in high school. And that big decision was huge, uh, leaving family, leaving the, the, the comfort of friends and relatives, mm-hmm. many of whom never left home and, and did very well. But that big decision, uh, and I can remember having discussions with my mother about the, I had uh, two offers at General Motors uh, coming out of college. And as I pondered that, I, I kind of talked it over with my mother, thinking that she would say, well, don't leave. Stay close by and so yeah. forth. You're the baby. You're the baby. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly, that's exactly what I expected. What? On the other hand, she said she did not say any of that. 
She said, I want you to follow wherever the opportunity takes you. And I said, okay, so you're getting rid of me. Uh, <laughs> so, but but it, it, was, it was so clear then as mm-hmm. it is now. Um, and then I, I took it. I said, well, this is the opportunity as I see it today. And I took it and I started a career. And I went, I went to General Motors in Indiana, which is not known to be the most liberal uh, area yeah. of the country at all. Mm-mm. And um, it was just my wife and I, newlyweds. We went out and we just started to, um, to conquer the world in our minds uh, as we saw it. But I think the same thing held true for me throughout my career. Um, I can remember days in GM where opportunities became available, um, maybe not the most desirable, um, not the most progressive parts of the organization, uh, but I could sense the need and a challenge, mm-hmm. and I would take them. And mm-hmm. I'll give you a very sp- specific example. Um, you In my bio, it mentioned that uh, – I had moved to a Fisher Guide, which was a division of General Motors. Uh, it is it is the precursor to what is now Delphi. Mm. And when Fisher Body that, and I don't want to give you too much automotive stuff, but Fisher Body was a part of General Motors that built cars. They built uh, the bodies. They uh, worked with assembly. They put the paint and all of the major stuff together. And they had about eight to 5,000 employees around the globe and uh, lots of plants. And the person who had been sent out there, who was the replacement um, to Steve Fuller, uh, went out as the head of HR for this very large division. And he asked me if I would come out and be on his team. Hmm. And I said, Al, of all of the opportunities and places that I would consider going, Fisher Body would not be on that list. <laughs> the reputation for treating people of color and treating people in general was not very good at all. Wow. And he said, that's why I want you to come out here. I want you to help me change this organization. And I said, if I come, Al, that's the only reason that I would join that company, your organization. He said, we have a deal. I said, we got a deal. So I joined and it was some five or six years later, I don't know how many, that the opening for Fisher Guide Division, the head of HR, the chief HR for that HRO for that, that division became available. And Al Warren stood forward. He had gotten promoted since. Uh, he stepped forward and said, Haven is the only person for that job. Wow. And I said, Oh, gee. And, uh, <laughs> and this, and this was, this was, they would have had 50 equivalents for all the major divisions of General Motors. But it was taking that risk earlier in my career, going into a place that made me uncomfortable, knowing that I would not be readily accepted. Um, that really pushed me um, uh, later on. I didn't take the job because I thought Al would do something good for me. Um, But I took the challenge. It worked extremely well. When an opportunity became available, he went to bat and said, Haven is the only person for this job. 
And the person to whom I reported or would report actually came to me before he accepted, everybody accepted the deal. But he came to me later and said, Haven, I don't know you from Adam. That doesn't mean that you're not very good or extremely talented. I just don't know you. And if I were making a choice of who would take this job, it would be a traditional labor relations person. It would be somebody entirely different. Mm. I said, Bob, I appreciate your candor and your honesty on this. He said, by the way, there are two people I respect in this organization more than any. And they both say that you're the guy for the job. And Haven, that's enough for me. Let's get busy. Wow. And I said, this is, it, it almost brings chills to you. Yeah. And, um, and by the way, he had a task for me that day. Right after he said, let's get busy. He said, now, this is what I want you to do first. <laughs> 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 Which was intriguing. <laughs> Haven. And, uh, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, Haven. Sorry. No, I, I was going to say, I, I've been around so long, I have stories about everything. So I, I'll let you get to your questions and maybe uh, back off on some of the stories a little bit. Oh, my okay. God. Well, I love the stories. I really, I mean, storytelling, that's where you connect with people. That's where you learn your lessons. That's why storytelling is so powerful. I was, I was thinking about what is it in you? And what are some of those, we talk about the charge qualities, but what are some of those qualities that help you, Haven? Because you took on risk, you moved away, you took a uh, job in a culture where you're like, uh, you don't like people very much and you don't like people who look like me too. It's tough. What Some people might say, Haven, I'm out. I, I don't need it. I, I, I will stay here where it's safer and, 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 and easier. What is it in you? What do you have like? How do you push through? I'm sure there's fear. How do you push through that? How do you manage yourself to like, nope, I'm going to move out of um, the house, even though, thank goodness, mom appreciates it and is like, go away, little baby. I can, I can, you know, you need to follow your dreams. But what is it internally that you have to manage, Haven, to take on all these high risks? You know, it's, it's, uh, that's a great question because, um, Sometimes you, there's one thing that you have when you think about looking back. In other words, I had a good mentor of mine did say, Haven, never go back. When you make a decision, just keep moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, but always in the back of your mind, you think about what your life was like before these opportunities start to open up. And you say, you know, if I had to go back, I could, mm -hmm. you know. Um, any decision that I make that works out, that's great. If it doesn't work out, the worst case is that I go back, I go back home, I relax, or I do something else. Um, and so in many respects, it's uh, the lack of fear relative to what the future might be. Now, maybe you call that courage. I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, or maybe just being naive. Um <laughs> We've said I, the same thing, Haven. Courage, naive, and maybe a little insane. All insane, and it's and it's and it's and because it is, um, it is one of those things that um, to take a risk, you know. And there's another thing, not to not to, uh, but you know, my family is very very faith based as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and we all, you know, have our own beliefs and that kind of a thing. But in a fundamental belief around faith, 
Um, and if you truly have faith in mm-hmm. a higher being, mm-hmm. and the question is, so what are we worried about? Uh, yeah. What am I being fearful of? Yeah. And just kind of push that aside and see where it takes you. Yep. Taking that risk. And and it works. It works for me. Uh, um, I will tell you um, that um, I've taken some crazy risk as an HR person, as an individual, as a person who was successful in, um, in his career. Uh, and, and the one that comes to mind is this whole decision to go out to leave the the, the comforts of uh, a corporate environment mm-hmm. to go out to be a Chevrolet dealer, mm-hmm. an entrepreneur, and that is the insanity part. I mean, mm-hmm. why would you give up something <laughs> where your retirement <laughs> is predicted? All you have to do is keep your nose clean. You're going to yeah. get a promotion here or there. You're going to make tons of money, on and on and on. Why would you give that up to go out and take that risk? I don't know, but I did. Mm-hmm. And it it taught me so much about business, about running a business, about running a business with negative cash flow, by buy, how you value a business, how you buy a business, how you sell a business. All of those are things that I learned by taking that risk. By the way. That was a failure mm. um, in a traditional sense. Yeah. Um, I couldn't make that dealership go. I thought I, I was a Superman of yeah. some sorts, uh, but the reality was reality. And um, it, it had nothing to do with who I am or, or what I am. It was more about the structure of the business. Uh, but I tell people that was the best failure I have ever had. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, to leave that business to sell. And the failure was not one where I lost a business, but I sold it uh, to somebody who had a bigger ego than I did. <laughs> and they had to sell it too, by the way. So, <laughs> so there you are. But it's, but it, it is, it is really around those risk taking endeavors, shaking the fear. Um, you know, the other thing too, as an African American, um, I had to develop, um, I had to let myself be a little vulnerable. Mm. Um, I could not achieve in General Motors what I wanted to achieve by only aligning with other African-Americans, even though they're extremely powerful group of people, uh, very talented. Um, But you had to align and have some trust and let yourself be a little vulnerable. Mm-hmm. With people who were not African American, mm-hmm. but who you knew um, you had to rely upon and build a relationship with and build comp- trust with uh, both ways and that kind of a thing. So it's, um, and I look at the other, the resiliency is one that, um, you know, if you look at the, the framework, the charge mm-hmm. framework, yeah. I'd say courage. Humility. I've always put, tried to put myself in the position of of, um, of the uh, the underserved, if you will, or un- underrecognized. Um, um, being uh, uh, resilient uh, and uh, 
I can remember some of our my mentors in the past uh, commenting on the fact that uh, my strength and fortitude and resiliency is very good. Um, mm-hmm. I, um, I I don't give up very much, and uh, on things we just keep knocking it, knocking it, knocking at it to to we get what we want. But um, and then the goal orientation. Um, it's, that's a funny one for me because we're all taught to get your goals set. Yes. Uh, get clear on what it takes to achieve those goals. And don't let anyone talk you out of it. Okay. And all of those great things. And 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 generally, I, I go along with that. But there were occasions in my career where I set a goal and I wanted to be at a, at a different place or a different Mm-hmm. And the gold itself, the ultimate, or I call it the North Star, did not change. Yes. But how you get there might. 100%. So you, yeah, because you can be very prescriptive on step one, step two, step three, step four, and all of a sudden, step an opportunity that's named XYZ shows up, and you say, where'd this come from? And when you examine it, you find that, that is the opportunity that will give you more of what you need to achieve that North Star than anything else. So even though I think it's very, very powerful to be prescriptive in your goal setting, I think it's also very, very essential to be flexible enough to see an opportunity when it shows your way and it shows up um, at your doorstep. Uh, Because if you're too rigid, you won't see it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Haven, I, um, you have so much, and I, it, it, you know, we always talk before the the podcast with our guests. And Haven, I, I'll never forget this one, Haven. You're like, I don't know if I even have 15 minutes to fill. So, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm looking at the time, and I'm like, I could talk another two hours with Haven. So I love that you only thought 15 minutes. Come on. Haven. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, right. Come on. These stories are amazing. And I know we're going to get to um, what advice you'd give to people, but I heard such amazing advice already, and I just wanted to touch on it. If I'm stealing some of your advice, I'm sorry. But no, please. Go I ahead. When you talked about that faith and just knowing that, you know what, even if it fails, you kind of have my back and I have my faith and I have something bigger to believe in. That's very humbling too. And so you're like, I can try it. And if it doesn't work, it's okay. And you said, even about the car dealership, you're like, it's not about me. It's fine. I learned from it. And that perspective and giving yourself grace in just failing is so beautiful. And I feel like I wish more people Haven would have that because they would try things and they might not be so stuck and feel so bad when they make a mistake or fail because it's just part of part of the process. And there's something bigger out there anyway. It's okay. So ground yourself in whatever faith or spirituality, but there is something bigger. And knowing there's something bigger is so humbling too. And I Excellent. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And then I, before we get to your advice, I have to call out your beautiful uh, mention on being vulnerable and how difficult it is. But because you were vulnerable, especially to others who don't look like you, how hard that must have been, but how much that helped your career and opening up to people, the right people, and showing who you, who you are and what you need 
can actually really help instead of having to protect yourself constantly, which a lot of us have to do sometimes. But when do you choose those moments to be vulnerable? And how does that help you uh, propel yourself in the future? And just also not make you as, um, I was going to say, as unhappy or stressed out because you can never share anything and you're always kind of in protection mode, fight or flight mode. So I really thank you yeah. for saying vulnerability. So now I'll get to you. What other advice do you have for people when they are making decisions in their in their lives? You know, um, and this one, it just really popped into my brain as you were making those last comments. So thank you so much for that, Carrie. You know, one of the things that uh, there, there are two things. So I started my career early in a plant environment in Indiana. I met a lot of people, um, and uh, when I moved on to corporate, it was a big deal in town. Uh, somebody from Anderson, Indiana, has been pulled at General Motors Corporate to, to serve on the, the HR staff. Fast forward six, ten years later, uh, 15 maybe, as I encountered some of those individuals, the most pleasant thing that I heard them say is that, Haven, you're the same guy you were. Not that you've mm-hmm. grown, but inside and in, internally, you are the same guy that you were when we first met you and when we came to like you. So that's very, very powerful. And that was staying true to who I am, mm-hmm. uh, making sure that my values continued and I continued to treat other people the same way. One of the other things that some of those early experiences that I had that came back 10 or 15 years later, um, I shared my goals with them. Mm-hmm. Um, not in terms of sitting down and going through a, a goal presentation or things of that nature, but I could very clearly remember sharing with people that, you know, in 15, 20 years from now, um, sometime down the road, I want to be this. Or, In fact, one person I mentioned in my early careers, I said, you know, I'd love to be a GM dealer one of these days. Mm-hmm. And I can remember the individual coming to a meeting in uh, Detroit, and we had dinner. And she raised with me this question. She said, Haven, whatever happened to your idea of becoming a dealer, Chevrolet dealer? Mm-hmm. She said, I have a friend who's a dealer in Indianapolis, and he's doing very well. You ought to talk to him. And it was that reminder that mm-hmm. put the bug back in my ear. I hadn't forgotten it. Yeah. Sometimes it gets on the back burner. Exactly. And it put that bug square in front of me and said, now's the time. And then mm-hmm. it put, started to put the wheels in motion. But the point is this. Don't be so secretive about your goals and your ambitions that people can't hear how they can help you. I mean, we become so protective of this thing that will be ours that we sometimes lose sight of the fact that there are others who can help you achieve it if they Mm -hmm. only knew. Yep. And the only thing, and and we said it earlier, the only other thing is just this risk taking. Mm -hmm. And, I won't go dwell into it too much. We've talked about it, but make sure that your risks are measured risk. Yeah. In other words, not just risk that, uh, I mean, there's a difference in a risk and just being crazy. 
Okay. Yes, yes. yes. Oh, foolish. Jumping off yeah. the bridge. No uh, right, right. So, yeah. This, this is this is more of being uh, establishing a calculated risk um, um, for your your decisions and things of that nature. But make them uh, when you make them. Uh, keep looking forward. Look forward at what it takes to make your decisions work, mm-hmm. rather than looking backward as why they didn't work or who might be getting in the way release it and go forward. So there we are. Um, I, I would say, uh, Kelly, you have so much. I'm, I can see Kelly writing so many notes, Haven, because I know her so well that she's like, and I love this idea and I love this idea. And I'm thinking, Kelly, maybe, maybe I'm going to predict maybe the top two things that Haven said that being true to yourself and not kind of, you know, changing and being that authentic person that people still see from when you were maybe 25 to 55 means a lot to you. And as well as that sharing and vulnerability that is so key, especially hearing it from a a male person, Haven, because sometimes men especially aren't vulnerable and don't share things in the corporate um, because that is not the way we, we kind of train them. But Kelly, what are some of the top things you have from, from Haven? Well, I think, first of all, you're just a great storyteller in general. I mean, you have such a way of presenting ideas and and things that you think you know where you're going, and then all of a sudden you go in a different direction, and it's a beautiful diversion. Um, It's just, it's such a great lesson, I think, for all of us. And the fact that, you know, your mom said, I want you to follow wherever the opportunity takes you. So beautiful because there are many who don't have the support of parents or who don't have any family members really who give them that nudge to make you feel even more confident in yourself. I mean, I suspect you might've done it anyway. Um, but knowing that she had your, knowing that she was um, on board with you and, and felt that you could do it is amazing. So, I mean, just thank you so much for just sharing your beautiful story and the eloquence in which you shared it. I also, um, loved the intentionality behind what you said to Al when you said, if I, if I came Al, that's mm-hmm. the only reason I would come that you were so intentional that left me with chills to your point. Um, it was, again, I can, I can almost see it play out in front of me. Um, and how much courage you must've taken to, to share that, um, is, is, was there any fear in that at all? Or were you just like, you know, I'm so intentional about my, my purpose and what I want to achieve. Was there any fear that you had in that? No, no, I, I had no fear because I knew who Al was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I also knew that I was in the high potential group, the General Motors. So if that opportunity didn't come, something else would. But the other opportunities may have been, I couldn't think of a person, uh, we talk about driving change, Mm -hmm. who was so committed to driving change than Al Warren. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you how how intense this person was. This is an HR person who comes into Fisher Body, and at the first senior management meeting, he stands up. There's eight or 4,000 employees in this division of General Motors. She stands up in a major meeting. I was not there, but I was told. And he told everybody in that room, you work for me. Mm. This is HR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I decide your salary and I decide your bonuses. 
except for the CEO, you work for me. And everybody's in the room. They said, this guy is out of his mind. <laughs> but he was absolutely right. He controlled their salary and their bonuses. And so he got respect and was given license to do things that anybody who was less bold would right. never get away with. Right. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. it is amazing. And I will tell you this. Um, there is there there has been no place in my career where I learned so much from mm -hmm. so many different people than mm -hmm. in General Motors. Mm -hmm. It was phenomenal and um, um, great, just great opportunity. So to answer your question in terms of fear, uh, not total fear, um, but you just don't know where the next opportunity would right. come. And this was a tremendous opportunity. Right. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you for sharing. I mean, you've shared so much great information. There's so many quotables in this episode. I can't even stand it. Um, Haven. Uh, <laughs> so thank you so much for sharing your story, for being vulnerable. And honestly, you are such an inspiration that I can see people having this on repeat almost because of just the, the, the intentionality and the belief you had in yourself to say, you know, what, I can do this. I can do this work. So again, if you would like to connect with Haven, please go ahead and do so on LinkedIn at Haven Cockerham. We'll have all of his information in our show notes for you. Haven, again, such a pleasure having you on our podcast. Um, and we're so excited and, and um, grateful to you for having shared your story with us. Kelly, Carrie, thank you both so much. It was a wonderful opportunity for me and I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abracigroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abrachi Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you. Mm -hmm.